Well, happy anniversary, yes. Soul City Church. You are five today, and what an amazing, yeah, this is awesome. What an amazing thing God has done. And as I look at that video and I see all that has happened over the last few months, and then I think about all that has happened over the last five years, mm. there's only one phrase that can sum up what this is all about, and that this is all only God. Mm-hmm. Only God could do something this miraculous, only God could build a church like this, and that is what we are here to celebrate today. We are here to celebrate God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And Soul City Church, we want you to hear from us, you are a miracle. Mm-hmm. You are a miracle. You are actually a living, breathing, growing, transforming picture of the power and the presence and the love of God in this world. And when we look at you, what we see is a miracle. Mm-hmm. You see, God has been handing us the keys over the last five years to unlock miracles in our lives, in our friends' lives, around this city and around the world. And you have been taking the keys and unlocking miracles. Mm -hmm. And today, what we wanna celebrate is the faithfulness of God in and through this church and in and through your lives. I wanna talk a moment about that idea of being handed the keys by God and what that really means for our lives and for this church and our future. I don't know if you ever even really think about the keys that you keep with you all day, every day. I mean, how many times do you like stop and think about your keys? Probably not often except for when you actually need them, right? And, and the truth is, for us, all, we all carry our keys in different ways. Like some of you on your keychain, you're very utilitarian. Like it's lean and mean and only what you need. And I believe that's the way God would have it. <laughs> Others of you have all kinds of keys for all kinds of options and opportunities. And so your keychain is maybe a little uh, heavier than others. Like people would hire you as a custodian just by looking at your keychain <laughs> based on that alone, right? So I brought our keys so you can get a glimpse of just how God has uniquely wired each of us. How we're different. How we're different and, and valuable and special. Here's my keys. There are four of them. Car, house, gate, mailbox. Like someone asked me once, like, hey, do you have a key to the church? Nope. I, <laughs> I'm sure someone does. I'll find them when I need them because I like a lean, mean set of keys, right? Anyone else? Raise your hand if you like to keep it clean on your keychain. All right. Then there are them, the rest of them. (laughs) Others will call them. And I brought Jeannie's keychain. This is exactly how it was this morning when I grabbed it. There are 96 keys on here. I'm not exactly sure how many keys. You have... Options. Options, Jeannie. You have options. So, okay, so these look exactly the same. So let me ask you, do you know what this key is for? No. No. (laughs) But just in case you come to a lock, why not at least have a key? I have the option. Just to have the option. So we, is it safe to say we're wired differently when it comes to our keys? Yes. And all of us are. We all have our different sets of keys and the way that we carry them. And our keys mean different things to us. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. Like, do you remember when your parents first gave you a key to the house? Do you remember that when you were a little kid? That was a big deal. 
Some of you wore it around your neck, right? So you wouldn't lose it and you still lost it, but you, you tried at least. I, when I was a kid, this, we had this uh, really cutting edge technology. We had shoes that had zippers on the side of them and you'd slide your key right in the side. Some ruse, you know what I'm talking about? That's where, I, so that's where I kept my key. That was a big deal when you got that key. Now look, that key looked like every other key in the world, but it meant something special to you. It had significance. Like when you got your first car keys. Do you remember when you got your first set of keys for your car? Maybe you worked really hard to get it or your parents gave it to you as a gift. And that, those keys meant something to you. They meant freedom. They meant responsibility. They meant all kinds of different things to you. Do you remember, like for those of you who've ever bought a home, anyone who's bought a home for the first time, do you remember that feeling when they give you the keys? You've had tons of keys before, but not like those keys. You just paid some folks a lot of money and signed a lot of papers and all they gave you were some keys in return, right? <laughs> but those keys meant something to you. Maybe they meant everything to you. This is a fulfillment of a dream or the start of a new chapter story in your life. Isn't it amazing that we carry these things with us every day but not realizing what they actually represent? I remember when we were given the keys to this building just over five years ago when the Searles family, and this is what's so amazing, they all came to the last service. They all sat, filled up a whole row. It was a family who like joyfully and generously gave to what God was doing and by faith gave us the keys to this whole space rent-free for the first two years of our church's story. Um, when they gave us those keys, that meant something. And we had no idea what God was going to unlock, the unbelievable only God stories that would be unlocked by those keys. And when you think about it, we have all kinds of keys in our lives, but there is a key, there is a key that is the most important key that you will ever have. It's not like a key on your key ring. This key actually has the power to unlock miracles and to change your life. You see, this key is a key given to you by God. It is a key given to you by God so that you can join him, join him in his invitation to participate in unlocking the movement and the activity of God in your life, in your friends' lives, in the city and around the world. God says, here's the keys. Hmm. The God of the universe literally says, I'm going to take the keys and I'm going to hand them to you. Hmm. It's unbelievable to unbelievable. think about to think about God, the creator, literally says to you and to me, here's the keys. Mm. Here is the keys to the kingdom of God and build it with me. Mm. Build it with me. And so the question we want to wrestle with this morning is what do you do when God hands the keys to you? Mm. Like what do you do when, when the God of the universe that loves you, that created you, that mm. believes in you, that has poured gifts inside of you, literally looks at you and says, here's the keys. Mm. Here's the keys. Would you build the kingdom of God with me? Mm. And so the question we want to look at is what do you do when God hands the keys to you? And we want to take you to a passage in the Bible where Jesus himself spoke about this idea, gave us this idea. And it's one of the few times that we hear Jesus talk about the church and his vision for the church. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, either here or in there, watch those keys, here or in the overflow space, we actually have a Bible in your seat back in front of you, or maybe it's on the floor in front of you. You can turn to page 687 in the gray Bible in your seat back. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at a very important moment where Jesus talks about the keys to the kingdom of God and what it means to you and me 
when he hands them to us. Matthew 16, the story at this point where we're kind of picking up, uh, Jesus has turned the corner towards the cross. And so his life is now heading towards the ultimate act of redemption at the cross and through the tomb. And so the conversations that he has with his friends and followers are, uh, pick up a certain set of urgency as he's preparing them for life after him. And he's preparing them for what we would come to call the church. And so Jesus pulls his followers aside. We'll look at uh, verse 13. We'll start there. He pulls his followers aside and he asks them a really interesting question. Matthew 16, 13, he says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, those followers, those friends, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people say I am? Now, what's Jesus doing here? Is he kind of doing like a little brand analysis right now? Like, how am I trending right now? How am I doing right now? Is he, is he really like worried and concerned about what others think? I, no, I think he's asking for his followers' awareness of what is going on, the perception that Jesus, that the people have of Jesus around him. Who do people say? Who, who, what have you heard? What's the word in the street? What's the buzz? And so they go on to tell him. Verse 14, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, who was a recent contemporary, even cousin to Jesus, who had been killed for his faith. Some say, you're like John the Baptist, like you came back, like John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, the prophet, an ancient prophet, a part of their story. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, what are they doing? What they're reflecting back to Jesus is, here's who people say you are. They think you're another one who's talking about the one to come. Hmm. They think you're yet another prophet who's here to talk about the coming Messiah who will one day save us from our sins and free us into new life with God. So they're reflecting back to Jesus. Here's who people say you are. Just so you know, we've just pulled up the poll. Here's what it says. They think you're one who's talking about the one to come. And so Jesus goes, okay, okay, it's interesting. Then he takes it a little bit further. He says in verse 15, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now Jesus is, is dialing in conversation here. Hmm. Who do you say I am? This is what you would call a critical question. Hmm. This is a critical question. Who do you say I am? Not, not who do others say I am, not what public opinion is, not what your parents told you to say about me, not what your spouse thinks about me. Who do you actually say that I am? This question is no longer philosophical or metaphorical. It's as personal as it is theological. Hmm. Jesus says, who do you, who do you say that I am? This is a critical question for us to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? I mean, really, if we, if we were to ask you, who would you say he was? And isn't it interesting that I could get up here on stage and I could give you all my answers, my right answers about who I say Jesus is, but you know the truth is not so much who I say he is, but how I live my life that mm -hmm. says what I believe about mm -hmm. who he is. Because yeah. Yeah, I could tell you, oh, this is who Jesus is, and this is, this is, but then you go, okay, well, how do you treat your wife? Mm -hmm. How do you offer forgiveness to others? How do you handle your finances, your resources? How do you give grace to yourself? How are you for those that everyone else seems to walk on by? That's how I'll know who you mm. really say Jesus is. So Jesus is asking a very personal and theological question. Who do you say I am? And I love Peter, one of these first followers of Jesus, because he has enough audacity or stupidity. It's a thin line to just blurt out and go with his answer, go with his gut. And this is what he says in verse 16. Simon Peter, his real name was actually Simon. Simon Peter answered, 
You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And right there, Peter says it. He says, you're not just another one talking about the one to come. You are the one. Hmm. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. You are the promised one. Every prophet has spoken about you. You are it. You are Messiah, son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, well done. Good answer. Good answer, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon. That's his real name, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood or kind of by your own gut or what you thought I wanted to hear, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, that Jesus is about to rename Simon right here in this moment. He has a history of doing this, by the way. He gives a lot of nicknames to his followers. Seriously, look it up. He says, I'm about to rename you Peter. And that word literally translates to Petros. That word is rock. You are a rock, a foundation. That's your new name. You are rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. This is what happens when we say, Jesus, you are the one. And there's a lot of interesting interpretations of this little passage because some people believe that Jesus was setting Peter aside to be the point of the church and that Peter was to be at the center of the church. But that actually is not what's going on here. There's something much deeper going on here. There's something more applicable to you and me. What Jesus is saying here is not that Peter is the one, but anyone who puts their faith. That faith is what he will build his church Mm -hmm. on. That kind of faith to say, I believe you're the one, Jesus. Despite what others say around me about you, I believe you are the one. And Jesus says, it's on that kind of faith that I'll actually build my church and nothing will get in its way. And you have to imagine the disciples hearing this because Jesus didn't talk about the church a lot. You know, kind of preparing them for this. And so Jesus says, I will build my church. And you have to imagine, they've never, they don't know what that is. So they're going, yeah, build his church. What's the church? Like they didn't know yet, but they're just kind of nodding along and playing along. But then Jesus goes one step further. It comes back to what we were talking about a moment ago. In verse 19, he says, listen, not only will I build my church on that kind of faith in me, I will give you the what? I will give you the keys keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the key. I'm going to throw you the keys. (laughs) I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That language is rabbinical language. Jesus was a rabbi. And what it's all about is authority. And he's saying, now you are the ones who have authority because I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now you, my followers, are leaders. You, my followers, are leaders. I have given you the authority. I have thrown you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Pretty amazing that Jesus doesn't give a big long list of leadership qualifications for those who should lead in the church. He doesn't give us an exhaustive list of these are the characteristics and qualities that you should look for in leaders. He says, here's where we'll start. Someone who claims me as Messiah. Anyone willing to put their faith in me, we can start with that. I'm going to give them the keys of the kingdom of heaven and nothing will come against them. This is a powerful picture of what happens when God gives us the keys to the kingdom. So what do you do? When God gives the keys to you, when God tosses the keys to you, what do you do? This is going to sound a little shocking, so try and keep up with me, but I want you to hear what you're supposed to do when God gives the keys to the kingdom of heaven to you. Here it is. Are you ready for it? Use them. (laughs) That's about as deep as it goes right here. Use them. When God gives the keys of the kingdom of heaven for you, you don't just go, wow, I bet it's really nice on the other side. 
Wow, I bet it's really cool. That's really cool. Oh, look, you color-coded them, God. That's cool. How many of you keep keys with you that you don't use? Well, some of you. But the point is, <laughs> the point is to use them. To use the keys that God has given you, to use the, that, those keys of the kingdom in prayer and to unlock everyday miracles in your life and in the lives of others. The point is to use them, to pray for things to happen that do not currently exist, to pray that God would move in your life and the lives of others. That's how you use the keys that God has handed to you. You use them in service to others, to unlock compassion, mm. to unlock dignity, mm. to unlock provision and protection. Mm. You use them in your relationships to unlock authenticity and vulnerability and the ability to actually see each other and to be seen mm. by someone mm -hmm. else. You use them to unlock inside of yourself a faith that God has more in you than you may even have in him. To unlock that faith to say, God, I don't know much, but I do know this. You're the one. And when you unlock that faith in God, look out. Mm. You know, it's that kind of faith, that mustard seed faith that this church was built on, that the church was actually built on. And so Soul City Church, the question for us is, what will we do as God has thrown the keys to us and entrusted us with his mission here on earth? And what's so beautiful is what has already happened over the last five years. The ways that God has literally thrown us the keys and the ways that you all have unlocked miracles in this church. You know, over the last five years, we've gathered in this space, in this warehouse, 261 Sundays. Awesome. We've come into this old warehouse, this decrepit warehouse, and we've gathered in this space 261 Sundays, and we have worshiped God and put our hope and our faith in him. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people enter into a transformational relationship with Jesus and be baptized. Over the last five years, we've seen thousands step into the game and volunteer and choose to live a life that's not about themselves, but that is about others. Mm. What's amazing is we've literally seen over 5,500 people decide to get out of a row and get into a circle. They've chosen to get into a small group, to let their lives be seen, to share their life with the other, to experience the healing that takes place in the power of a circle, in the power of a small group. We've seen hundreds of Bibles stolen from this church. Yes. And I love, I love every it. Bible that has been stolen from this place. I love it. Over 3,000 backpacks and school wow. supplies have been given to students at Brown Elementary and Dead Elementary. Over 1,600 families have attended and experienced the Christmas store, and they were loved and believed in and mm. served with dignity. Mm. We've seen over 8,200 people attend the neighborhood parties that we throw, like mm. um, the Big Find and Fallapalooza. Mm. We've given away over 6,000 of our famous Soul City mugs over the last five years. <laughs> this one's fun. We've seen over 52,200 cups of coffee consumed over the past five years. Y'all love your caffeine. Serious, I think y'all have a problem. We have knocked down every wall that we can knock down. Mm. God in his goodness and in his provision 
provided a way for us to buy this 22,000 square feet of warehouse space and to turn it into a house of worship. Mm. In God's unbelievable provision, he secured the land directly east of this space that we're going to have an after party on mm. later today. And over the coming year, we're going to build out that space, and there's going to be 50,000 square feet of ministry space here in the West Loop so people can come, and they can be handed the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and they can unlock miracles in their lives. That's what God has done. That's what you have done with God over the last five years, Soul City Church, and God's not done. God's not done. Thank you. God is not done, and we have only just begun to extend his love and his grace in this world. And what we love is seeing how God has thrown the keys to our church, uh, really with that land next door, and, and, and said, hey, I entrust this to you. And so for the last two years, we've been praying and planning about how do we get the highest possible kingdom redemptive return on that land. And what's been so fun is the plans have come together as we've rolled them out to you as a church. If you've been around here for the last couple of months, I'm sure you've heard us talk about For the Love, our two-year faith-raising adventure where we said, you know what? We want to unleash resources to God like never before in our life and build a true transformation ministry center next door, connect these spaces so that we really, truly can reach as many people as possible. And so we've asked our whole church, those of us who call God our Father and call this place our church, to do three small things, to ask God how he's leading them, to believe that God will actually provide for them, and then to commit a two-year financial commitment to get in the game and say, you can count on me for the next two years. I'm going to give to this vision of what God is doing here. And listen, this is pretty unbelievable stuff. And I want to share with you. We want to give you an update as of today. For the Love's Not Done, we're, it's a two-year campaign, but I just, we thought it was good on our fifth anniversary to give you like a where we're at kind of moment. And this is what's so amazing. Over the last couple weeks and months, we've seen 569 unique gifts come into Soul City Church. That is actually unbelievable. So there's 569 families, kids, singles. You start clapping now. Uh, college students. Now, I know for you, you're like, that's amazing. What does that mean? Well, here's the deal. We said the number that means the most to us all along the way is 100%. We want to see 100% of our church get involved in what God's doing. 100%, that's all. Just 100%. Because we believe that God has a part to play for every single one of us. And so this is what's so fun. That number that we just shared, 569, is roughly, but best we can tell, about 72% of our church has engaged in For the Love. That's amazing, actually. Now, that should sort of be a slow golf clap because you should go, but that's not 100. You're right. And in your seat back, there are commitment cards to For the Love. And we are actually really serious. There's been folks who've been praying and haven't felt quite led by God yet. There's some folks who are going to join in because of this weekend. You're going to get on board with what God's doing here and celebrate. So we're excited that we're going to see God reach that 100% number. We're so excited to see how that's going to happen in the next few months and years. And when we rolled out for the love, we said, this is not a fundraiser. This is not about raising money. You see, raising money is for like bake sales and selling cookies mm -hmm. and selling wrapping paper. That's a fundraiser. This is a faith raiser. 
We are about seeing faith raised in the lives of people so that we can be a community of people that are committed to the generosity of God in and through this world. And what's so amazing to me is that over this journey, we have seen 185 people become first-time givers That's at Soul amazing. City Church. That is amazing. 185 people. Nearly, nearly 200 people have said, you know what, I want my life for the very first time mm. to be about generosity. These gifts that have been given to me, they come from a good God, and so I want to steward them for the building of his kingdom in this world. That is an amazing, is amazing, amazing thing. The generosity and the faith in this church is being raised, and so beautiful to see. There's one more number we want to share with you, uh, and that is how much we as a church have committed to God over these next two years to build out this ministry transformation center. We've said all along the way, this number isn't the most important, 100% seeing God move, but we've asked you to ask God to believe that he will actually provide $7 million to fund this whole project. And so I'd love to share with you where we're at today as a church, if you'd like to, to hear that. Well, then I, I was going to anyway. So. <laughs> I brought it here, folded it up in my pocket so I wouldn't lose it. You guys did a great job. Now I'm going to actually tell you, this is what's so amazing. As a church, praise God for this. We love you, Soul City Church. We love your faith. Show them the number. Okay. <laughs> Together we have committed to $5,728,706.12. Way to go, Soul City Kids. That's crazy. That is unbelievable. Exciting. That well is exciting. Done. That is so exciting. That's really good. That's a heck of a number. <laughs> it's really <laughs> exciting. This is Dan Clary. He's been a part of our church from the very beginning. Hello. Not part of our message, though, today. So. That's all right. They mic'd me up. It's okay. Okay. I just got to say, that like, that's, that's a great number. Thank you. I, I felt like the reaction wasn't as good as it could have been. <laughs> really? Yeah. This is one of the most important, like, historical moments I in know. our church, and you think it was okay. Yeah, I think we can do better. That's, that's really not how I would have done it. <laughs> that's not how you would have done no. it. I don't feel like that's how we should be doing it. Okay, so how would you do it? Well, uh, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. Costco this week. I'm all about the carbonated juice. Yeah, well, this is this is pretty awesome. And I do appreciate the uh, Nyquil cap. Yeah, cup that I have. Yeah, it's awesome. It's pretty good. All right, Dan, I think your way is actually pretty. It's yeah, pretty awesome. Who doesn't actually. love refreshments, right? Who doesn't love a, a thimble full of sparkling cider? Yeah. Okay, so hey, if you got a glass, we're gonna ask you to raise a glass. We're gonna make a little toast, a little tradition of Soul City Church. And here is what we're actually going to toast to. Here's what we want to say. 
we want to say that God is not done and we have only just begun. Amen. All right, clink that plastic. Clink, clink, clink that, that plastic. Clink. Cheers, Soul City. We love you. Oh, that Refreshing. is good. Oh, that's Thank good. you, awesome. Dan. Thank that you, was Dan. You were right. Moment. That was better. Job. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. That was oh. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate just, you. I appreciate you. I'm just excited for what's next. All right. Well, what, we're going to finish the me- We got a few closing thoughts, and we're going to finish the message. That's yeah, totally. I'm, I mean, that, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see what's happening. J- uh, it's uh, just the two of us. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a little crowded in here. Jeannie, you're welcome to take my seat over no. so, yeah. so we can take yeah. care of this. Just the two of us. Just me and Jeannie are going to finish the message, which makes That makes way more, more sense. sense. All right. Yeah. Thank okay. Eric. No we problem. thank him for being here. Oh. <laughs> for the after party. Yeah, for the after party. Watch him with that stuff. Man knows how to celebrate. He knows, he knows how to do it. He really does know how to do it. Oh. God is not done. God is not done, and we have only just begun. And so what this means is that with $5.7 million and believing in faith that God is going to, he's going to fill in the rest over the next couple of years as more and more people come and they are captured by the story of For the Love and they get on board and ask, believe, and commit. That means that when the ground thaws in this new year, um, because winter's coming, I don't know if you knew that, um, but when the ground thaws, there's going to be a whole bunch of concrete mixers and backhole diggers and people with shovels that are going to break ground on the land directly east from here. And our prayer is that we're going to celebrate Christmas of 2016 in our brand new transformational ministry. And you know, because God's not done, we are committed to making sure that there is always a seat for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you look around today, there's not a seat open. Mm-hmm. Our overflow room is full. Mm-hmm. Our Soul City Kids spaces are bursting at the seams. Now is the perfect time to be building mm-hmm. a space to the east. But God's not done. Mm-hmm. And so that means we've only just begun. And so in the beginning of 2016, we're figuring out now and praying about how we can even add a fourth service so that there can be open seats for anyone that ever wants to come and be a part of what God is doing here at Soul City Church. You see, we're not going to just sit around Mm -hmm. until those doors are opened up. Mm -hmm. That's not what the church does. Mm -hmm. The church says there's always room. Mm-hmm. There's always room for anyone that wants to experience the love of Jesus. And so Soul City Church, we are just getting started. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be an amazing, amazing year. Yeah, it's exciting. And one of the things I love is how from the very beginning we've said just really simply, our mission is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And that only happens when all of us are committed to that. First for ourselves, to be in a transforming relationship with Jesus. I mean, there's folks here today haven't even crossed that line, but I wonder if by coming here today and seeing what God's doing, he might be nudging you that much closer to saying yes to him today. Soul City Church, you need to know that this mission is being accomplished because of you partnering with God. Mm -hmm. You are a light in this world, in this very dark world. 
You are a bright little light shining as best and as brightly as you can at work, at home, with your friends, with your family, as you're out. You are a light. The keys of the kingdom have been handed to you. And we love how you burn brightly as best mm. you can. And one of the little traditions we've had on our anniversary is we remind ourselves of that light, what God is doing in and through our church. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to grab your phone, make sure it's on silent. And we're going to use just a little light of your home screen. So you don't have to turn on your flashlight or anything like that. Keep it on silent. Get your phone out. Because over the next few moments, we just want you to get a picture of what God's doing. We're going to ask you some questions. So if this is true of you, then you would hold up your phone and light it up. I'd encourage you to kind of turn your hand around and turn your head around to see what God is doing. So you can hold on to him right now. It's great. Yep, I see your phone. I see that phone. I see that phone. Awesome. Hold on to it right now because we want to say a couple things. We want to paint a picture of what God's doing. And this one I love that we're starting with. If you started coming to Soul City Church within our first year or so, sometime in 2010 or 2011 or so, right around there, you started coming, checking out, becoming a part of Soul City, why don't you let your light shine right now and lift it up? And I want you to look around and see this. Mm. And we want to say, thank you. Yes. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for praying this church into existence. Thank you for staying. Thank you for making this place a home for so many others, we are so thankful to God for you. For those of you that have come along in this story in the last year, and your life has been affected by the transforming love of God here, and, and you've kind of joined in on the story of what God is doing here in the last 12 months, we want you to hold up your light and let it shine. Look, Look at, at that. that. Look at how God is growing this so church. So beautiful how God is Holy bringing cow. people to this church. I love it. Hey, if you, it, within this you know, time you've been at Soul City Church, for as long as you're at Soul City Church, have joined a small group. You got into a little circle, a loving, transformational circle, or you've kind of got in the game and started serving and volunteering. So if you've been in a small group or serving at Soul City Church, we want you to hold your light up and let it shine. Mm. Yes. Look at that. This is what it means to be the church better seven days a week rather than just one, to get past ourselves and become a part of what God is doing. What a cool picture. For those of you that have been coming to Soul City Church and there's a relationship in your life that has been um, blessed, maybe a relationship um, that's been changed because of coming here. Maybe your marriage has gotten stronger. Maybe something's happened in your relationship with your kids. Perhaps you've seen God work in a friendship or, or in another family member, but your relationships have been impacted because of what God is doing here at Soul City Church. We want you to shine your light. Oh, look at that. That is awesome. If you have, this is the last one. If you have, through Soul City Church, come back home to God. Mm. And maybe you were away a long time, or maybe just for a season, but you found God again here at this church. Or... You've started a relationship with Jesus through this church while you've been here. Or you've been baptized here at Soul City Church, either in our gatherings or at the lake like we do each summer. If your life has been directly saved, transformed, brought back into relationship with God, baptized here at Soul City Church, let your light shine right now. And look around at what God is doing in and through this church, the lives that are literally being changed by his love. How amazing is that? As you look at those lights, 
every one of them is the unlocking of miracles. Yes. It's the unlocking of God's activity and love and movement in our lives. And Soul City Church, this is what you are about. Mm -hmm. This is what you have done, and this is what we are committed and continuing to do. And so we wanted to mark this moment. In fact, under your seat is a little gold key and a Sharpie. We have one for everyone. I want you to grab that key for a moment and grab that Sharpie And as we have been saying, because God is not done, we want to be a people that boldly declare that we have only just begun. And so what we want you to do is to actually take that little gold key and on one side, we want you to write your name. Write your name on one side and then on the opposite side, and you can do this however you want, be as creative as you want. We want you to write one thing one thing that you want to see God unlock this next year. Maybe it has to do with your purpose. And you, and you want to see God unlock so clearly what your purpose is in this world, and you want to start living into it like never before. Maybe it has to do with a family member. Maybe there's a broken relationship, and you want to see God restore that relationship. Maybe it has to do with a friend. Maybe a friend that is struggling or somebody that is hurting and you desperately want them to experience the transforming love of God through you and through this church. Maybe it has to do with a dream that you've been holding back on and you wanna boldly say, this is the year I'm gonna step in because God has handed me the keys and I'm going to trust in him and I'm going to unlock what he wants to do in and through my life. And so just take a moment to write one area where you want to see God unlock his miracles in your life. As you're finishing writing that, I want to share with you something that we've written, actually. We've been reflecting on what God has done over these last five years. Gene and I went back and went through all the old Soul City Church pictures from five years ago and bawled our eyes out, seeing our kids five years ago and how much they've grown, seeing how much this church has grown. This has been an unbelievable week of looking back and remembering for us God's faithfulness. But at the same time, equally, it has been a time of looking ahead mm -hmm. because we firmly believe that God's not done mm -hmm. and that even though we celebrate five years, we've only just begun. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to write down for you so that you could hear and be a part of the vision for where God has taken us, the kind of church that God has given us the keys to become. So as I read this piece to you, I might get a little fired up. I just want you to know <laughs> that. And I don't mind if you do too. And I want to ask you a question throughout it. I want to say, is God done yet? And your answer is? No. And that's how you give it back. So we're going to do a little call and response with each other, okay? Because we are so excited about where God's leading us as a church. God is not done. God is not done because we have only just begun. Is God done with his church? No. No, he's not. He's inviting you and I to be a part of the unstoppable movement of the church. He's inviting us to be a church that is firmly 
and fully committed to him to proclaim that he is the one. A church where God's presence and power are expected and experienced. A church where the name of Jesus is lifted high and brings life to all who hear it. A church where the Holy Spirit has room to roam and reign fully and freely. Is God done with this church yet? No. God is not done with this church. I believe God is inviting you and I to be a part of a church where grace and growth are synonymous. Where people previously far from God are finding God and being transformed by his love. Mm. A place where every past has a redemptive future. Mm. Where every story yes. gets a new chapter. Is God done with this church yet? No. I believe God is inviting us to be a place where thousands and thousands of people find and follow Jesus regularly, yes. where the well of the waters of baptism are overflowing and people are lined up to get inside. Is God done with this church yet? No. no, he's not. He's inviting us to be a church that makes good on our promise to be better seven days a week rather than just one, that our neighbors would know us and thank God that we're here. That our neighbors would know us and thank God that we have presence in this place. That the poor and the powerless around us mm -hmm. would be known by us mm -hmm. and find in us compassionate yes. advocates. Mm -hmm. I believe that God is inviting us to be a church that rejects the low-hanging fruit of charity, but rather digs in the dirt of dignity, yes. sowing seeds of equality and possibility for all. It's a church where the healing of God happens regularly, where recovery is a reality, a place that has more people finding Jesus throughout the week than it does on any given weekend, where crisis can lead to Christ and dead ends can lead to new beginnings. Is God done with this church yet? No. No, he's not. I believe that he is inviting us to be a church that lives in the trenches of each other's lives. Yes. A church that shares not only our meals, but our homes and our dreams and our burdens mm. and our souls. Mm. God is inviting us to be a church that grows bigger yes. and deeper, mm. to no longer accept the myth that the two are mutually exclusive, but to expect every room to be full, yes. every small group circle to be expanding, to expect our influence to be impactful and our reach to be global because we are dependent on the one who is not yet done. Is God done with this church yet? No. God is inviting us to be a church built on the discovery and the deployment of spiritual gifts where anyone and everyone is expected to use their God-given gifts, where women and men serve equally next to each other mm. and serve and submit fully and freely to each other. A church where the only thing stopping people from reaching their God-given potential is themselves. Mm. A church where equality isn't an ethic, it is essential. Mm. Is God done with that church yet? No. no. God is inviting us to be a church with our doors flung so wide open that they break off the hinges. Mm. 
A church so sacrificial that our generosity becomes a joy. A church so empowered by the Holy Spirit that every time people encounter you and me, they get a glimpse of heaven. A church where worship is our native tongue. A church where we gather together to create songs that pour out of this place and literally find their way around the world, drawing a global audience, not to us, but into the presence of God because we are dependent on him. A church that creates and shares resources with the world that have a transformational impact well beyond anything we ever imagined at the corner of Adams and Racine. Is God done with this church yet? He's inviting us to get past ourselves and to pass on to the next generation leadership, to see in them what someone saw in you so long ago, Mm -hmm. to pour out purpose and to provide a place for the next generation to become the church today. From toddlers to teenagers to 20-somethings, God is doing something in the next generation that has never been done before. Is God done with this church yet? God is not done, and we have only just begun. And if God can take a dream like this and make it a reality, Mm. if God can take a rundown warehouse and make it a house of worship, if God can take a handful of faithful folks and make them a movement of God, if God could take the corner of Adams and Racine and make it an epicenter for his activity in this city and in the world, imagine what God can do in you. Imagine what God can do through you. Listen, God is not done with you. He is not done with you. He has not given up on you. The best is yet to come because we have only just begun. So I want to invite you to stand. We're going to pray together and then sing songs that we wrote to praise God for his faithfulness and to claim our dependence on him as the one who leads to life. So will you join me in a prayer together right now? God, we thank you that you are the one that we celebrate today, God. Thank you that you are not done. Oh, thank you, God, that you are not done. Thank you that you have not given up on us. Thank you that you have put faith in us. You've handed the keys of the kingdom to us. And so God, help us to use them. Help us to unlock everyday miracles. God, I pray today that this would be one of those miracles. That there would be folks here today that get a glimpse of heaven and are drawn into a relationship with you because of what you're doing through this local church. God, I thank you for all the beautiful and broken parts that we call this church. So we come to you, we cling to you, we depend on you, and we name you as the only one, only God. Only God can make this all happen. Only God can take us into the future you have for us. So we sing to you, only God.